at your people today that everybody that came into this building today would leave refreshed and strengthened by the anointing of the Holy Spirit to take this week on and say that this week will be their greatest week to date. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you're believing it, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to try and uh, flow much of what I preach today, a large portion of it can literally apply to many areas of your life. I'm going to apply it to a specific bit of scripture, but you can, if you're open-minded and open-spirited, you can grab it for something that could just transform any area of your life you're believing God for. Amen? Is there anybody in here believing God for something? Raise your hand if you're believing the Lord for something. I know that I am many times. I'm believing the Lord for things specific for this church. I'm believing the Lord for things specific for my personal life. And I'm believing the Lord for things specific for this nation right now. Amen. So I've, I've, I've got the levels and I, I'm, I'm praying and believing for multiple different things. And I believe don't don't get so caught up in the nation that you forget your own household where you, all you do is war on behalf of the nation and you don't take care of your pray that the Lord can take care of your household just as well as he can take care of the nation. Amen. Amen. Trust the Lord and expect goodness. So. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm continuing the series on God's kingdom manifested. So that's where manifestation means that it's, it's gone past a promise into a material thing. You, you have what was promised. When, when, when you walk into manifestation, you're actually not believing for healing. You have been healed. You have healing. Amen. If you're believing for something to manifest in your life, when you have it, you'll know you have it. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, they knew they had it. And so, hey, Jessica. Just shouting hey to everybody today, aren't I? Anybody else want to, hey, Brian, how you doing, bro? Are you guys also from Illinois? Michigan, that's right, yeah. Well, welcome, Michigan in the house. We have some Michiganers leaving this is their last week, so maybe you can, you guys can carpool together. <laughs> now it's just getting awkward, right? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Michigan in the house. All right, the First Corinthians chapter twelve. Shout when you find it. <laughs> Love it. If you don't find it, stay quiet, and then nobody knows you don't know where the things are in the Bible. <laughs> it's like when someone always says, like one of the minor prophets, turn with me in the book of. Ezra, and you're like, okay, definitely going to the front first before I get to the. <laughs> says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God that works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, the gifts of healing. Notice it's gifts, plural, of healing. That's the only one that's plural. By the same Spirit. And to another, the working of miracles. That's a working, too. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, divers kinds of tongues. So that's divers, too. 
to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So today we're talking about God's kingdom made manifest or God's kingdom manifested part three. I want to talk to you about being single minded. If you read first Corinthians chapter 12, it starts with do not be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. It's easier to remain ignorant concerning the supernatural because then you have no part to play in it. You have no responsibility. And if it happens, good. If not, whatever. But the Bible instructs us not to be ignorant concerning supernatural gifts. We're actually to educate ourselves and study the Word of God, dive into the Scriptures, follow the ministry of Jesus in order to build within ourselves a greater understanding of what God can and cannot do, which He can't do. The only thing He can't do, according to Scripture, is lie. Right? And so Christ can't lie. He's not going to sin. So everything in the word is a promise made directly to you. Now, there's people that rise up that choose to be ignorant and try and teach these things to keep it out of the church where it's not for today. It passed away at the end of the book of of the Acts. But none of that is scriptural. It's just things people teach because it's easier to remain ignorant and not carry responsibility than to be a person that presses into the things of God and take the heat from this world. Are you with me right now? But choose to educate yourself. God gave these gifts. And it was very important. Last week when I spoke of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you saw the plan of God to get people baptized with the Holy Spirit, how carefully, meticulously God's plan was carried out to take you from salvation into a baptism of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the presence of God. If Christ cared that much about it, why would we turn our nose up to it? It's very important. Look at your neighbor say, it's important to not be ignorant about the Spirit. Amen. Who wants to be ignorant? Nobody in this church. That's why you come to this church. Amen. No, so it's easier to be ignorant, but you don't, you don't want to be ignorant. You want to study. You want to figure these things out. Dive into the Word of God. Explore. Sit under teachings. Get everything you can to educate yourself of how God will operate in your life if you yield to Him. Now, that also, it says there's differences of many things. There is no formula concerning being used in the gifts of the Spirit. It's not a formula. You don't say, well, Pastor Caleb got up and said, I don't know you and you don't know me, and then he said a word. There's not a formula to being used in the gifts of the Spirit. Every born-again believer on planet Earth, even those that are totally tuned out to the Holy Spirit, would still say that Christianity is, is a relationship, not a religion. Well, how do you have a relationship with Jesus that many people think of God far away, but the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you so that you have a relationship with Him every single day. And it's the gifts of the Spirit function from that relationship, not from I've got a formula and I'm checking the list. It's that I know Him, I know His voice, He knows me, He searched my depths, and I follow after Him. And the more in tune I get with the Spirit of God, the greater I'll see the supernatural made manifest in my life. Amen? You with me so far? Also, when the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible says it is given to profit with all. The gifts of the Spirit profit the church and the world and your personal life. It profits with all. When you have the gifts of the Spirit in your life and you're not tuned out to these things, you are a benefit to the world because you can go to a softball tournament and pray for a person. 
And the supernatural presence of God can act upon that word and something miraculous take place. Amen. Never ever write off what God does as just, hey, that was a great, that, you know, we threw a dart and we landed on a target. No. God moves with people yielded to Him. And the gifts of the Spirit profit the church. The more we grab this, I mean, you look at it, uh, Pastor Linda sent me this yesterday or the day before. There's on Amazon right now, there's Ouija boards that have been redesigned to called Holy Spirit boards. And so you can buy for $28.99 your Holy Spirit board where you try and get direction by, that ain't the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't talk through a board game. He talks to the inside of you, the still small voice. He leads you. It's developing that relationship. Amen. Amen. And so you look at that and you know the world is, is basically starving for the supernatural. They're so hungry for it because every person that has ever walked the earth, there's a part of you deep within that knows and recognizes there's more than what I see. So you know that it's in you by birth. Little, I mean, you're a young kid and you know there's more than what is seen. And so there is no formula, but it profits the world, it profits the church, it profits your personal life, and it is as the Spirit wills. So in other words, I can't make the gifts of healing just always operate on my life. As much as we would love to be able to just control it like a superhero, and just whatever time we want to do it, we do it. We can't. It's by the Spirit. Now, there are many, I'm sure when we get to heaven, the Holy Ghost will reveal to us many different reasons of why certain things went and other things didn't. But I tell you, it's as the Spirit wills. But my challenge to you is, as we're talking about the manifest kingdom of God on planet Earth, is if you are not ever used in supernatural gifts of the Spirit, then you need to check your heart and say, why is it that the Holy Spirit never wills to do it with me? Right? Why is it that he would will to do it with somebody other than me? When I read scripture and I come on Abraham's and Isaac's, I always, I, I, I like open myself up and I'm like, Lord, what was it in Abraham that made you choose him? What was it in David that made you just, just find him in the wilderness? I want to bring that to you. And if I don't have it, you say you can change my heart, so change it. Give me the heart of David. Give me the heart of Abraham. Give me the heart of whoever you're looking for right now. Are you with me? Because I want to be used by God. Who wants to be used by God? Amen. About half the church. That's awesome. That's, that's nearly revival, bro. Hallelujah. If we get that type of unity, my gosh. Who knows what's next? John 14, 12 through 14. Now I'm going to roll. Are you ready? And I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to, um, well, who knows how long I'm going to take. John 14, 12 through 14. Most assuredly. I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Nancy got that one right there. Ah! This is Jesus speaking. He says, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Woo! Ah! Hey, come on, somebody. I mean, like, if you received a letter from Jeff Bezos that said, 
You can ask anything from me, anything I possess, and I'll give it to you. You'd be like, it's Jeff Bezos, he's going to have anything. But the king of glory, the one that holds the earth in his hand, the one that was the beginning before the end was ever even known about, the alpha, the omega, the bright and the morning star, he's the one that says, greater works than me you shall do. And anything you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. Now, this is the basis of the kingdom of God made manifest in your life. You've got to get firmly planted within yourself that God is a God that answers his church. All throughout scripture, you see the heart of God. He heard the prayers in the Old Testament. He hears the prayers today. Today, I want to talk to you about being single-minded. Asking for something and remaining single-minded. I remember years ago that I was preaching in Juneau, Alaska. And a man came to me and he said, uh, The Lord touched me last night powerfully. And the night before powerfully. And the night before powerfully. We were in like a two-week revival. And he says, Tonight I was, I was so excited to get, you know, to, to run to the altar. The Holy Ghost working in me. His whole life was being transformed. He was like, excited about the things of God again. He, he, he you know, kind of got a callous heart for a bit. And he was exploding with excitement about God. And he came to me and he said, I was so excited to come to the altar, but then I had that thought. Maybe I'm being selfish. I probably shouldn't keep asking God to do something for me because he's got to do stuff for other people too. And he's already done something for me this week. And I remember when he asked that, he said, is, I, I, I looked at the guy, and I was actually kind of shocked myself. I was not thinking that way at all. Maybe I'm more of a taker than he is. I don't know. <laughs> give me, give me, give me. You know, I don't know. But I remember looking at him, and it was such a heart. That was, he was being genuine. And I remember telling him, you know what? That's God does not work in a world of limitations. He can't, for him to do something for you did not take from what he wants to do from anybody else. It didn't pull his attention. It didn't sidetrack him. It didn't do anything like that. Every t- it just you brought a hungry heart. God responded to the hungry heart. And if everybody on planet Earth all, all decided tomorrow to bow their knees and worship the Lord, there would be no shortage in heaven for his presence to pour out to the entire world. Amen. We may not have enough churches to fit everybody, but the glory of God could saturate every single person. That, that bowed before him. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Now, so James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, anybody in here ever lacked wisdom? Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Shout liberally. That means freely without restraint. That means excessively. He just pours it out, right? Are you with me right now? It's like when you're feeling generous and you don't tell your kids only two scoops of ice cream. You just, just, just. And then you get on a flight and fly out, and you call your wife and say, how are the kids? Dad gave liberally. (laughs) He gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So if you ask from God, God will give liberally and without reproach. Let him ask in faith, though, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Pretty, pretty strong right there. So we know that God liberally gives. Now, obviously, this is speaking of wisdom, but God, anything you ask of God, as we've already clarified in the Gospel of John, that you ask of God, God will give liberally to you. Amen? Now, I'm building to something right now, so just follow with me. That means that there is never a time in your life that it's like a, bo- a burden to God where here you are again asking for something. Now, there are realms of prayer where it's not I'm always asking God for something, but a major part of prayer is, and, and James he even talked about, is that you have not because you ask not. Or when you ask, you ask amiss because your heart is wrong, okay? So when you get your heart right, you love God and you want to do the things of the Lord and you come before the Lord and you ask God every day to do something, it is not a burden to God. You can ask and God liberally will pour out fresh in your life every day, amen? Who believes that? If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Now, I'm tying this into the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says to covet earnestly these things. Covet these gifts. Desire these gifts. Want to be used by these gifts. And when you desire this and you say, Father, we need in America, we need the supernatural healing power of God. We need Americans off of medication. We need the miracle power of God flooding our hospitals. We have, what, what do we have now, seven hospitals in Claremont? There is prob- we could probably all move into the hospital and there's enough rooms for us all to live there. Hospitals are a response to sickness. If the solution to sickness was hospitals and doctors, Jesus would have came and said, go into all the world and build hospitals and train up doctors. But he didn't tell us that. Did he do that? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he said, and these signs will follow those who believe. You'll cast out devils. Many people on medication. It's not, you can't medicate a demon out. you got to take authority and cast that demon out. Amen. That's scriptural. And the sickness, the things that come in this world. We live in a fallen world. These things plague almost every household of the nation right now. And you've got to stand on the word of God and say, you know what? As for me and my house, though, I'm asking you, God, that the gifts of the Spirit would be an operation in my life and through my life. And that if sickness tries to come, the blood is enough and sickness leaves my household and leaves my body you got to stand on these things. Are you with me right now? And I know I'm stirring the pot. But if you're to covet and desire this, and what he's saying is he's not going to do it in your life unless you desire for him to do it in your life. Same with wisdom. God is standing by to liberally pour out wisdom, but if you never ask God for help, then he's never going to give you help. You can't even get saved until you go to God and say, save me. And when you say, Lord, help me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, wash me, then all of heaven responds because someone actually made a request. Whew, I'm preaching better than I thought I was going to today. But I, that hit me right there. You can't even get saved until you ask to get saved. Are you with me? It's not like one day you just woke up and you were saved and you don't even know what happened. Last night I was partying. 
Today I woke up and I'm a new person. No, you asked the Lord. God responded. His nature got on the inside of you. It began to transform you. Now your mind's being renewed. Your thoughts are being renewed. Your actions are being renewed. Your habits are being broken and changed. And now you stand as a born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled Christian. Because you asked. And God liberally poured out. Come on. It's like you asked God for salvation and God's like, yeah, you don't know what you're asking for. I'm about to pour out heaven on the inside of you and change every aspect of your life. You're not even going to think the same way, walk the same way, act the same way. When I get done with you, watch what I will do in you and through you, says the Lord. God is standing by to liberally pour these things out. It's not like heaven has a small amount of miraculous power and it's only up to the person that really, 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 really fasted 45 days until they were 80 pounds. It's like God says, I won't pour out unless you do these things first. When he says, I will pour out liberally and without reproach, he's saying, I'm going to pour out the moment you ask, and there's one condition, that you have to be single-minded. That's what I want to hit right now. Concerning the gifts of the Spirit, it's a single-minded. I remember when I went into the ministry, I was year number two, and I said, God, what do you want me to do this year? It was going into the year of 2013 or 2014. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Caleb, I want you to contend for the supernatural. Now, remember when the Lord told me that. I wrote it down. I'm contending for the supernatural this year and, and every year, ultimately. And I didn't realize at the time, really, I'm like contending. What is that? In prayer and what? But really, the contention or the fight for the supernatural is not with God. You're not fighting with God to get favor for the miraculous power of heaven to flow. You're not, you're not fasting away to prove something. The fight is in this world. It's all the sowing of all the junk the enemy pumps into every generation that makes people become double-minded. I want to believe in God's goodness, but I don't know if it, God is really good because I've seen this. I want to believe in healing, but I just don't know. Is healing for today or did it pass away with the apostles? Because even Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. Even Job, everybody brings up poor Job. What about Job? Is, is God a healer because Job had to go through some stuff? Paul had a thorn in his flesh. And so the double-mindedness within the church is what cuts us off when we ask from God. It's not that God doesn't want to give it. It's that you're not actually in faith. It's that you're split. And you've got to deal with that. One thing you've got to get to and draw a line in the sand is that anywhere there's a breakdown of the supernatural is never God's fault. It's got to be our fault. Are you with me? Because I would never stand and say God is flawed. God is not flawed. God is perfect. But I will stand every day and say i got flaws. I'm working on them. Okay? Working. But I'm not perfect. No perfect people allowed. Hey, Lewis? <laughs> It's an inside joke. Anyways, moving on. Now, the Bible says that God gives liberally. Mark 10, 48 through 42, there's a blind man, blind Bartimaeus, that people warned to be quiet. And he cried out all the louder, you son of David, have mercy on me. When he did this, this is Mark 10, verse 48, Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called to him. When they called the blind man to him, he said, be of good cheer. Rise, because he is calling you. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? 
I love this. Jesus didn't say be healed. Jesus said, what is it that you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. When the lepers came before Christ and worshipped him, it's the same thing. Christ would ask people, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you're wanting from God? Stir this up within you because do you actually go into your prayer closet and ask the Lord for things? Do you ask God, Father, I thank you right now that you use my hands and you use my feet, that you would use my voice. Father, I thank you that you would use the, the River Claremont be a place of healing. I thank you, Lord, your anointing would fall in that place. I thank you that the gifts of the Spirit are operating in my life and through my life. Amen. I'll prophesy. I'll lay hands on the sick. I'll see the working of miracles. I will operate with the gift of faith in my life. God's faith will be upon my body, upon my mind. I will do the supernatural. Amen. Not for my name, but for your name, God, because you're the one that brought me out of darkness and brought me into light. It's for the glory of God in this hour when the whole world wants to lose its mind. Father, may you pour out in the church the supernatural presence of God in greater measure. For you said, Jesus, that greater works than you we will do. The only way we do greater works than Jesus is when more of us are doing it. You can't outdo Jesus in quality, but you can outdo Jesus in quantity. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about raising up an army of born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled believers that know how to ask from God and know how to get something from heaven. Are you one of those people? If so, then shout amen right now. My God, I feel it in this place. God wants to liberally pour out in your life. That's why when the enemy came, and we talked about this the first time I preached on the manifestation. In Genesis chapter 3, when the devil came as a serpent to, to con, whatever, what's the word? Confuse Eve. He said to her, did God really say? So he showed the double-mindedness. And that's where we are, right, still today in America and all the nations of the world. If the same struggle is upon mankind right now. It's the double-mindedness of the church that holds back the glory of God in greater measure. But if you get to a place of single focus, if you could raise up a church, part of the reason why we went to one service, actually the number one reason, was that we said we want our church to be unified. That we're all on one page together. Not the 9 o'clock was pressing in and the 11 o'clock was dead. That if we're going to do it, we're doing it together. Amen. That's why we're hoping to rent this place every month to keep the unity in the church. Because that's the Acts chapter 2. What was the key component? They were all in one place and in one accord. They were in unity. They weren't double-minded. One wasn't busy. One wasn't stressed. One wasn't, I don't know if God wants to do this. we got to raise up in this hour. Families just locked in step for the supernatural things of God. Believing that God will do it. The devil's a liar. So let's face some of this. The double-mindedness in the church. Let me tell you, let me ask you this. When the Bible says that you are made a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Have you ever read that before? You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. If I received a million dollars and you were a joint heir with me, then that means that both of us split what we received. Amen? Come on. Now, if you're, and if you're looking for an heir of a million-dollar fortune, my name is Caleb E. Ring. I'll give you my address after the service, okay? 
Because I believe in joint heirship. Amen. I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. That means I receive what Christ received. Christ defeated death. He defeated sickness. He defeated every enemy of man. He broke the curse off of your life because the Bible says he became a curse for you that you might be redeemed from the curse of the law. Are you with me? And so, was Jesus ever sick? If you read the word where Jesus had the flu, Jesus had a bad day, Jesus had a migraine, Jesus was dealing with PMS, as Pastor Joe taught me. That's post-ministry syndrome. It happens, people. You preach and you feel great, and then you go home and you feel like, man, I don't know what I'm even doing with my life. Jeez. Yeah, I quit. Yeah, I'm done. Such a loser. I didn't even remember what confused meant. I choked over my own spit three times. true isn't it it's the weirdest thing man i don't know why it is it's the devil that's what it is <laughs> so ministers deal with pms too ladies we get it pray for your minister amen cranky join air was jesus ever sick did jesus ever lack on planet earth did he ever ever come across something that he was not equipped to handle when he sent out his 70 did any of them get sick did any of them lack and he even said don't take money with you and sent them out and still none of them lacked right are you with me and we're joint heirs with this this is the kingdom that we belong with this is the kingdom we've been parta- we have been grafted into amen that we are of the same vine So the same thing that flowed through Jesus, the same thing he imparted to his disciples, is the same thing that flows through the church today. Everything, every miraculous sign and wonder is still right here available now. Are you asking for it? Are you stirring up that expectation in your life? Father, use me. And I told you that the problem is, the attack comes, the double-mindedness. is To stay out of it is easier. Because to press in for it, someone might label you this. Someone might call you this. Someone might mock you for this. Someone might do that. I've lived all of it. I've been surprised at the things people have said about me. It's crazy the things that people just say about you when you press in for the things of God. They make up stuff because it, it helps them remain where they are. But I don't know about you. I want to shine for Jesus in this hour. And I want to do what God has told me to do. And the 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul wrote this, he did not say this is just for a short dispensation of time and then it will just go into a place of faith where you wait and hold off until finally you get the heaven out of here. The doomsday approach of Christianity. And that's where people take scripture. And I want to hit this. They take the scripture that you will do greater works than Jesus. They twist it and say the greater works that we do is that because there is no supernatural power any, any longer on the earth, that we just believe without seeing, and that makes us greater than Christ. That's a teaching that they give. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You cannot read in Scripture, always go to the Word, where the power of God was for a short dispensation, and now it's over with. It is still available today. Amen? 
just a couple weeks ago. We saw a foot grow out. We saw backs healed. We saw a woman come off of oxygen. We see supernatural things on a regular occurrence because if you ask it from God, God will use you. Amen. It's available right here, right now for every person that presses in to get it. Amen. Then they said about the healing. The healing's the one. I thought everybody loved healing. I thought everybody would shout because who wants sickness? And I realized something. First thing, the reason why many people in the church don't get walking divine health or healing all the time is that when they get sick, it's the first time they actually take a break from work. So it's actually delightful for you. Oh, I got the flu this week. Going to have to stay home, Brother Caleb. You're just tired. You should have taken a vacation while you were healthy. And when the flu came, cast it out in Jesus' name. But we get tired, right? Who in here is that? When I broke my toe, people are like, I was getting private messages. You, you, you're a man of faith. Why is your toe not healed? Why is that? Because I'm at home right now, actually with my, my foot lifted up and my wife bringing me drinks. I mean, I'll get to it. I'm, I'm going to get to the place of faith. But right now, the suffering's pretty good. I'm not exactly desperate right now. I'm playing a video game. I haven't played a video game in years. This is awesome. My toe will heal in good time. Double-minded, right? Now, let's imagine, though, if you're, you're in the midst of something, you're out in the woods by yourself, a tree falls and breaks your leg. It's not a delightful thing. Now's when you lay your hand on it and pray. My dad was kicked in the leg by a mule, blew out his knee up in the mountains of Montana, blown out knee, severely injured, grabbed his knee and just started praying in tongues and boom, his knee was totally healed by the power of God. Didn't need any help, walked right out, just say, hey, you're never going to guess what happened to me. Desperation is one. Then they teach, well, healing's not for today. Paul, God allowed Paul to be sick. You know, that thorn in the flesh, when you read that, if you read the thorn in the flesh and read what Paul is writing about, all the way, it starts the chapter before. Paul is actually instructing people about the genuine persecution he's living under. This man was not disliked on Facebook, okay? It's not like he had a thumbs down and people said heretic on Facebook with a face palm. And Paul's like, I just can't handle the persecution. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, you want to get persecuted in America? Take a scripture, don't put the scripture reference, just put the scripture online like it's a quote from you, and you will have people attack you just because they don't like what you said. And then when you put the quotations, and then half of them go to church with you. And then they feel guilty that they didn't read their Bible. Huh? Maybe I should turn to what Jesus actually said. <laughs> Anyways, moving on, okay. The thorn in the flesh, when Paul wrote it, actual fact, the exact same word Paul uses, a thorn in the flesh. You have to chase back all the way back to Judges, when the Bible is clearly talking about the thorn in the flesh of those that were being persecuted. It's a thorn in the flesh. Persecution is a promise in the Word of God. You will be persecuted. Sickness is not a promise in the Word of God. So you see the difference. Paul's writing saying, look, that's not of God. God can heal me. He can supernaturally deliver anybody from any circumstances if you lock in and you believe God for it. Amen. But the thorn in the flesh, persecution will come to everybody's life that stands, especially for the gifts of the Spirit. If you stand for the supernatural, someone will have a problem with you, guaranteed. 
If you preach the word of God, someone will misinterpret you, misquote you, misrepresent you every single time. But it doesn't matter. Stay the course. Then Job. Let's talk about Job. Poor Job. Everybody always going through struggles talks about they're like Job. First of all, Job was not even under the same covenant you're under. So Job had a lesser covenant with lesser promises. You have a better covenant with better promises. Job was not full of the Holy Ghost. You're full of the Holy Ghost, or you should be. If you've asked from God, God will give it to you if you're saved. Amen. You can't get filled with the Holy Spirit until you get born again. But once you're born again, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Once you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not like Job ever was. Job didn't have the Holy Spirit. Job didn't have the blood covenant with Jesus Christ. Job gave sacrifices every day believing for favor from God because he was afraid. Because Job's understanding of righteousness was his own personal righteousness. And so everything was based on, even when he argued with God, it was based on his understanding of him being righteous, even more righteous than God, because God would inflict him with this. Now we can all look at that and realize Job just didn't know. Because obviously our righteousness is as filthy rags compared to his righteousness. But who made Job sick, according to the word? Clearly says that the devil was the one that inflicted him with those things. Come on. We understand there's an enemy of man. He is the devil. He has one-third of innumerable demons running around trying to inflict everybody in this world with some type of mental disorder, physical disorder, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, depression, anxiety. He wants to mess you up because he came to kill, steal, and destroy. Plain and simple. But Christ came to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. The abundant life of Christ is abundant favor, abundant joy, abundant uh, Ecstasy, abundant, everything good is what God gives to you. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. So the devil made Job sick. He got into Job's life, made him sick. But what did God do for Job? Ha! Talk about getting single-minded of the goodness of God. And when we come before God, knowing who we're coming before, what did God do for Job? God totally brought Job out of despair and restored him, not just to what he was before, but gave him a double portion. Amen. So you say, man, I've been through a season of struggle. It's like the enemy has been attacking me. Guess what? The Bible says rejoice in all of these trials because it is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. So you go through things. Yes, we go through stuff, but stay single-minded on this, that anything I'm going through is not my portion. It's just a moment, a season that I'm going to get through to the other side. Because God's promise does not say I go from season of trial to season of trial. It says I go from faith to faith and glory to glory. I go from victory to victory because he always leads me in triumph. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. It's the dealing with the mind of man. You see, the breakdown is not the heavenly resources of God. God is not held back because of some principality over America that is holding people back. The principality over America has always been in the strongholds of our minds. It's the convolutedness of what do I actually believe. And that's what I'm bringing you to right now, and then we're going to be closing. you got to get to the place in life where if someone challenges you on what you believe, not from an angry place do you defend yourself, not to prove that you're better than them, but you get to the place where you know what you believe and why you believe it so that that doesn't get sown into you. 
that you become a place of good ground, good soil, where the word of God is what's sown on the inside of me, and so I'm going to bear forth the fruit that I'm supposed to bear forth. And when a seed not from God tries to get planted, I have the wisdom and the understanding to keep that out of my garden. You with me right now? Because if you get double-minded and these things get in your mind, it begins to attack you from believing it. Well, I don't know that healing is from God because what about this? What about that? What about that? The healing power of God is for every single person. Believe it. Word of knowledge. You don't need to go to a a prophet even, even on TV to get the word of God. You yourself as a spirit-filled believer can get the unction of the Holy Ghost and be led by the Spirit of God right now. you got to solidify that this is what is available to every single one of us in this room right now. And we started with Acts chapter 2 last week and it clearly says, He pours out on the young and the old, on male and on female. He didn't list any other genders. So you better line up with one of those two genders. Amen. I said what I said. (laughs) But I'm saying that to say this. He pours it out and it doesn't matter. It's not that God wants to do something supernaturally great, but he's reserving it to the upper echelons of the church world. It's actually the plan was to raise up an army of believers. Sold out and single minded. In the glory of God in this hour, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because he goes from the gifts of the Spirit to talk about the body. You ever notice that? So he ties that message of the supernatural gifts ties right into our identity of fitting together as the church. That being the hands and the feet, being the mouth, being the eyes, being the ears, being even the nose it talks about. Because if we were all ears, where would be the smelling? Somebody is the nose in here. You can sniff things out, bro. (laughs) (laughs) because we're all meant to carry this to manifest the glory of God in this hour and the world needs it and I want to say this when I when we moved when I felt the unction and and I'll say this again on the Pentecost years back the Holy Spirit told me which is biblical that only move in divine healing when I when I impress upon you to move in divine healing doesn't mean that that's the only time people get healed People can get healed by faith, according to the scripture. By faith, you can be healed. But there's the divine gifting of healing where it's like, it's almost like God just does it. And it's just supernatural. And so God told me that, and then we moved in it a while back, and I felt the unction to do it for Pentecost Sunday. So I'm going to be that week, I'm going to be fasting, I am going to be stirring myself up to get the mind of God, and we're going to see the miraculous once more. We're going to see it with our hands, with our eyes. It'll be glorious because... What hit me that day when the Lord told me to do it was just when we said, who needs a miracle in their back? There were so many people in here that it overwhelmed me, actually, for a moment. And I thought to myself, my God, this is just backs. How are we going to even get to all the needs of the church? And if that's not an indication, and it's no slap, slam on anybody in here, everybody, we've we got to press in for this because the church is obviously in need of the supernatural. Because, I mean, there was a massive response that day, the people that needed miracles. And actual fact, I walked away and I felt bad because I thought, I got so overwhelmed, did I even go through and pray for everybody? And I thought, I'll never do that again. If I I do that again, if the service has to go 12 hours, then I'm going to have to be prepared ahead of time that if the Holy Spirit lays on me to do it, i got to stick it out. 
and do what the Lord has told me to do. Amen. Because there's a great need in America right now. We may be the wealthiest nation on earth, but we're also the sickest. We're the most, the most mentally deprived. The most, I mean, there's a major need for the supernatural in America. And that's why I think the enemy has done such a good job to try and get in every single church and te teach doubt and confusion. Try and teach you to just always, well, if it be the Lord's will. You have got to establish in you the Lord's will is to save set free, heal, and deliver every single person. Everyone. He is not willing that any should perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of his son. And everyone that comes to the saving knowledge of his son, he desires that that person be baptized with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Ghost on the inside, and be sent out with the gifts of power into this world to transform their communities. That's God's plan. Amen. Church was never a place that was supposed to let's build a big building and have a basketball goal and talk about how God may or may not do something. Church was supposed to be a place of a locked in army of people on their knees before the Lord, glorifying God, getting up and going out into a lost and dying world and kicking the devil in the teeth every step of the way. Are you in that number? If you are, shout amen. That's God's plan with the church. But when those thoughts come, man, you've got to bombard those thoughts with faith-filled words. Yeah. Devil, you're a liar. You're a liar. And if you feel sick in your body, here's what you do. Man, I'm feeling sick in my body. Then you need to go out and find three people sick. And you need to lay hands on them. And you need to watch them be healed. And you need to tell the devil, you're not going to bind me back by a symptom in my body any longer. My God is greater. My God is stronger. And the power of God will flow through me. Stirring that expectation up. Stirring that expectation up. And I tell you, when you move into this too, do you know how much comes in your mind? And that's what I'm talking about there. I'm like, I remember, if you remember the dream I had, those of you that have been with us for a while. I had a dream a few years back, and I'm wrapping up right now, where I was standing outside of a gigantic warehouse. And there was no signs up, there was no advertisement on there it was just one single door in a huge warehouse building and I remember walking up to the door and there was a security guard there and when the security guard was there he's like do you have your pass and I had my pass and in the dream I knew that's not it just knew it that to get this pass I had to know someone that was a part of what was happening inside they had to send me an invitation and I got approved, and here's my past, and this is the first time I've ever been. I knew all of that in the dream as I presented my past. And so the dude opened the door, and we walked up like a, like, a, like a walkway, like you walk up to a stadium, a ramp, and we went through some double doors. And the moment the double doors opened up, I mean, the glory of God smacked me. It was a stadium of people. I mean, like a, just in the presence of God. I mean, I tell you, I felt heavy. At, and light at the same time. I felt so heavy like I was going to just fall on my face, but I felt if I tried to fall on my face, I would just float. I mean, I felt, I felt cold and hot at the same time, like cold, refreshing, and the heat and the fire of God. And I mean, I, mean, I was just walked in there, and the door swung behind me closed. And as I in, entered into the place, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, Son, this is what it looks like when everybody is in one accord. He said, there is nothing that will stop my glory from pouring when people get in line. And boom, I woke up. And the moment I woke up, I was like, this is the goal of the church. 
That's what God's plan for the church was the whole time. A place where the presence of God was so strong. If you went into that thing as a sinner, you would, you'd just be on your face and seven hours later get up transformed, glorified, filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesying. Because it's so good and real and potent. And man, in life, it's like you get glimpses of this. But I don't know about you, I'm hungry for more than just glimpses. And I know the cure for America is not just another hospital. It is the glory of God in this hour. That as long as the church remains, we have got to keep the mission the main thing. God's mission was plain. Raise up an army that would go into all the world and bring the power of God. And in this life where we get confused and we get double-minded as we're like, well, let me go take care of my own thing. Let me build a bigger building and then we'll move into it. Let us do seven weeks of training on the Holy Spirit before we do anything like that would offend people. Let us not speak in tongues publicly because if we speak in tongues publicly, we might run people off. Let us not move in healings because what if someone doesn't get healed and their feelings get hurt? Your feelings get hurt every day of your life. But what if you get healed? Come on. I mean, no, that's the things you got to deal with. That's what I'm saying. When I moved that day, when the Holy Spirit told me to move in the divine healing, it was so strong on me that week. My body was shaking. And I remember I got up early that morning and I fasted from the time the Lord spoke to me in my office Thursday until Sunday. I didn't eat a, eat a thing because I had no appetite. Because I was warring, I could feel the doubt. I could feel the attack. I could feel the viciousness coming at me before I even stepped out that Sunday morning. It was like a bombardment of hell. You're a failure. You're a false prophet. You're a loser. God's not going to back you. His word will fail. You'll look like a moron. You will not. And that's why when I came out that day, the first thing that came out of my mouth was the opposite. You will see with your eyes the glory of God today. On my mind, the devil just bamming. You won't see it. They're not going to see anything in my mind. It's just driving, driving, driving. And if I'm dealing with that, don't you think that the lost are dealing with that? Don't you think the world is dealing with that? Don't you realize the church here, we're dealing with that. And only when you get fed up enough to say, devil, you're a liar. You're a liar from Liarsville. My God is who he says he is. And he does what he claims to do. And I will be a vessel. I may look like a fool. And they may call me a moron, but I would be rather called a friend of God than a friend of this world. I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, it's like we've drawn a line in the sand recently. And I said, God, I'm sick and tired of trying to be a popular preacher. I'm never going to be a popular preacher. I'm always going to open my mouth and say something stupid that drives people away. But I tell you what, if I, can, if I can't contain that, at least let the glory of God be in the place, God. At least let heaven be in the house. You've got to do it, God. you got to do it. you got to do it, God. Because it's not about me. You don't have to prove anything to me, God. I know you. I'm a walking resurrection. You don't have to prove it to drop to me, God. I know it in my nowhere you're real. But still my mind comes. And I'm battling the minds of people. So God, you got to pour out some saturated glory in this hour to shake this region. Man, if you're hungry for that today, I think we'll just close out standing to our feet. Those hungry for that today and lift your hands.
Just thank you for your presence, God. It's life to me. It's life to me. In a world of bombardments of lies and failure and coming up short all the time, God, let the church